when it says قُلْ هُوَ say he right what does it what does the surah say say he is Allah the singular Al-Ahad قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَد قُلْ say هُوَ he Allah God Ahad means singular these are the first four words what if it said قُلْ هُوَ هُوَ what does that mean say he is he do you notice anything if that's all I said if all I said is say he is he do you notice anything that would support simply saying say he is he what's what's the, what's the continuation of that verse Ahad. singular right in many ways the idea of Ahad itself singular is sort of superfluous you could have very well said say he is he قُلْ هُوَ هُوَ because Ahad all Ahad does is come and tells you Allah is singular well I could connote the same idea by saying he is he I could say for example say Anmar is unique or I could say, alternatively, Anmar is Anmar. The clear implication here is the uniqueness of Anmar. It's the singularity of Anmar. However, to say, قُلْ هُوَ هُوَ To say, say, he is he. Would, re- would require that a person have a certain perception about the who, that he, that you understand the nature of things, mahiyatil ashya, mahiyatil ashya, wahakaikil ashya, and the, the, the true nature of things that you understand the true nature of things and that you see and here's it's a little bit difficult but be patient with me and you will see it for what it is مِنْ حَيْثُ هِيَ هِيَ that you see مَا هِيَةِ الْأَشْيَاءِ وَحَقَائِقِ الْأَشْيَاءِ مِنْ حَيْثُ هِيَ هِيَ so in order for me to tell you he is he in order to even understand that at all you must be the type of person for now let's just use that term the type of person that can look at things generally and understand things in its true nature and what the true nature from the sense that it is, it is what it is. 
Because only by understanding the true nature of things generally and seeing it is what it is, can you then distinguish that he is what he is? It's a bit of a philosophical point, but it's, it's entirely sensical. And I shouldn't say but, but it's actually for me to understand the nature of anything. If I come and tell you um, what is the nature of this, of this glass, uh, it's impossible for me to understand the nature of this glass unless I understand it in the context of the nature of other things vis-a-vis this glass. Because abstract in itself, it's incomprehensible. I mean, it is only the understanding of the nature of other things vis-a-vis this glass that allows me to understand the true nature of this glass. This is like me coming and telling you what is the true nature of this person? Let's say this person is greedy. How can I understand the true nature of this person is greed unless I also understand it vis-a-vis other qualities such as generosity? Otherwise, it, it, it has no meaning. So, to understand, if I said, Kul huwa huwa, say he is he, then then you can only understand it if you understand the true nature of other things as we said. If you do so, and you understand the true nature of things, then you understand that the true nature of things is that they are dependent, contingent, and conditional. And that the only non the only independent, non-contingent, and unconditional is Allah. Consequently, you will understand that everything requires what they call imumayyiz. Imumayyiz requires a specification. Except Allah. That's, that's actually quite a complicated idea. Everything, because of its indefinite nature, requires a specification. I need to specify it. I need, it needs a tamiz, what they call the tamiz. I need to specify it. I need to point it out specifically. So, if I say, if I come to this glass and I say, it is what it is, it would be completely nonsensical statement. No, it is not is, it is what it is, it is a glass. If I come to this table and I say, it is what it is, that makes no sense whatsoever. It is a table. If I come to this rug, carpet and I say it is what it is makes no sense it is a rug it is 
It has no nature beyond that. A functionality, in other words, it's function. And the function is created through a series of codependence. The only time, then you would come, and the only time in which you can actually say it is what it is, or he is what he is, is only with Allah. Then you would understand, can I come to a human being and say he is what he is? Only in a state of utter delusion. Because it assumes that a human being is what a human being is. Without a human being being contingent and dependent on a variety of things such as food, oxygen, context, material circumstances, genetical makeup, upbringing, social circumstances, so on and so forth. Consequently, a human being is not a human being. A human being is not is simply, but is conditionally. The only, the only thing I can use is what it is with is God. However, in order for one to attain that type of understanding, so that if Allah would have said, "Qul huwa, huwa." would be the, true, the, the, the truly perceptive, perceptive ones. Because that is a very high level of understanding. That you're only the truly perceptive ones, the, the, the people with true perception, would be able to understand huwa, huwa. And that is why in Sufi schools they go around saying hua hua, hua hua. That comes from this idea that hua hua, if to, to have this view and to see things as entirely worthless in their nature except Allah, and consequently all Allah needs to do is tell you call hua hua would require that you be at a much higher level. So Allah comes and tells you, Qul huwa Allah. Huwa Allah. When I said, Qul huwa Allah, that is called a mumayyiz. What does mumayyiz mean? That's a designation. Qul huwa Allah. Now, at a certain level, if, if you really think about it, you say, say, he is Allah. In a certain level, it's a redundancy. Because it's a designation of Allah. As if Allah needs to be designated. So, it assumes in this situation... Those who see Allah as existent and those who see other than Allah as existent and they need a specification 
as to Allah to distinguish Allah from the rest of existence. The, 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 way, the, the way they say it in Arabic, شَاهَدُ الْخَقْقِ مَوْجُودًا وَشَاهَدُ الْخَلْقِ مَوْجُودًا فَحَصُلَتْ كَثْرَةٌ مِنَ الْمَوْجُودَاتِ There is a, a, an, oh, there is an abundance of existence. فَلَمْ يَكُنْ هُوَا كَافِي فاحتاجوا إلى مميز فلم يكن هو كافي فاحتاجوا إلى مميز So to them a designation was required Allah was required Why? Because they saw they believe Allah is existent and they also believe that other things are existent and they needed Allah to be distinguished from the rest of existent so they needed the designation of He is Allah. Then, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَد Singular. So why say أَحَد? Because if I said هُوَ هُوَ I've done it. But I was, but I added قُلْ هُوَ الله. And then I came and said أَحَد Singular. And in fact, you, you get a sense that it's as if when you say it, you're assuming that the audience needs to know that Allah is singular. It's sort of a um, sort of a patronizing point, as if you need to know that Allah is singular, as if you need to be told that Allah is singular. So, who are these people that need to be patronized? That to be told that Allah is singular. Those are the people who need this type of not فقط تمييز not فقط تمييز but also تخصيص not only designation but they also require specification. These are the morals of existence. So they don't only require تمييز but they also require تخصيص. تمييز which is designation which is specification. These are the morons of existence. Three levels then are addressed by Qul huwa Allahu Ahad. What are the three levels? The, the, le- the first level, which are commonly, by the way, called Al-Muqarrabun. The Quran itself calls them the Muqarrabun in, in elsewhere. The Muqarrabun, those who have true perception, true understanding, need only be told قُلْ هُوَ That's it. They don't need designation and they don't need specification. And the مُخَرَّبُونَ understand that هُوَ says it all. Because everything else is dependent, codependent, contingent, and artificial, and the only real thing is هُوَ He. They don't even need the rest of anything. That's it. That's all they need to be told is قُلْ هُوَ Say, it is He. That's it. But then there are those of us who are also called in the Quran أَصْحَابُ yamin, the people of the right, who do not have that type of perception, but they need the designation to understand that the truth of existence 
is Allah. So they, they need that the He to be designated for them. Say it is He. So they'll tell you He is what? Who is He? Then you come and say, it is Allah. Then the morons, Ashab al-Yasar or Ashab al-Shimal, who not only need Tamiz designation, but need Takhsis as well, they need the specification. To be told that this is singular. This Allah is singular. Huh? Shimal. Or Al-Yasar. But often, most are commonly in this context called Ashab al-Shimal. If you say, Qul huwa, say, it is he. It requires that you understand a lot of things. Because we say what? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Right? It requires that you understand what we call Sifat Salbiya wa Sifat Idafiya. In other words, it requires that you understand the positive aspects of God. Positive aspects like what? The positive characteristics of God. That God is, is Rahman, that God is Rahim, God is merciful, that God is, is Qadir, God is Alim, God is Jabbar, that, that God is all-knowing, that God is, is, is all-able, so on and so forth. You need to know the positive characteristics. But then you also need to know the nature. And this is what we call Sifat Salbiya. Salbiya means neutral characteristics. Because they're not characteristics at all. They're actually not Sifat. Like, to understand that God is not a body. To, to, to have a sense of what God is. Separate apart and apart from the characteristics of God. In other words, it would require that you understand God in the way that God is similar. Because similar in what sense? When we say God is all-knowing, the similarity is to those who know, but God is all-knowing. They are partly knowing. When we say God is merciful, what is the similarity? That those who have mercy, but God is the ultimate mercy. So you need to understand the senses in which God shares with others. But you also need to understand the sense in which God is completely unique. And unlike any other. The part of Similarity we call tashbih. Tashbih means the similarity. The part of uniqueness we call tanzih. Tanzih means unlike any other. Every time Allah is used in the Quran, you will find that Allah is described in the tashbih sense. Allah brings in al-sifat al-idhafiyah. Al-sifat al-idhafiyah. Al-idhafiyah means 
the characteristics that Allah shares. What does Ahad do? Ahad, singular, brings in a sifat as-salbiyah, meaning what? Ahad means what? Singular, which means unique. So is this tashbih or tanzih? Tanzih. Everyone on board? Okay, again. Allah is unique and similar. Similar in what sense? Shared characteristics of what He creates. How? That Allah is all merciful. Does this mean that there is no other person, there is no other thing that is capable of mercy? No. Mercy exists. But is that Allah is all merciful. That's what is similarity. Allah is all knowing. Does this mean that no one knows anything but Allah? No. Allah is all powerful. Does this mean that in nuclear, someone, you know, Hulk Hogan is not somewhat powerful? No. All of these are characteristics, shared characteristics. This is what we call the aspect of tashbih. Tashbih. We also call it al-sifat al-idhafiyya. Al-sifat al-idhafiyya. There are also certain respects to Allah which are not shared and completely unique. Like what? Like God's origin, God's end, God's body, God's nature. It is unlike anything. That is the part where God is completely unique. That we call what? Tanzih. And we call it as well Al-Idafat, Al-Sifat, As-Salbiyah. Al-Sifat, As-Salbiyah. And my point is, Sifat means the unique characteristics. And my point is that they are not characteristics at all. That's just a minor point I made, like a footnote. Allah invokes which? Allah invokes the tashbih or the tanzih? Does it invoke the sifat al-salbiyah or the sifat al-idhafiyah? Al-idhafiyah. Al-idhafiyah. Why? Because Allah as a proper name is always mentioned in the Quran in the context of say Bismillah, Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Always invoking the characteristics which God shares with God's creatures. Ahad singular, the unique, invokes the shared characteristics or the unique characteristics? The unique characteristics invokes the tanzih, is invokes the sifat as-salbiyah. So, when we say Allah, Ahad, we've invoked both the sense that God is similar and the sense that God is quite dissimilar. Both of them are captured in what? Both of them are captured in who? He. If you can understand Allah 
in, in the sense that Allah is similar and in the sense that Allah is dissimilar, if you can understand Allah in the sense of tashbih and Allah in the sense of tanzih, simply by saying huwa, qul huwa, that is the ultimate level because but just simply saying say it is he you understand you understood the sense but by which Allah is ultimate the sense by which Allah is similar and the sense by which Allah is dis- dissimilar you did not require a designation nor a specification you did not require a tamiz or a takhsis you did not require a tashbih or a, ta- or, or a tanzih. You simply were told that Allah, huwa, and you understood it all. But human beings are not, the vast majority of human beings are not of that nature. So they required the specification. Qul, huwa, Allahu ahad. Designation, specification, similar characteristics and dissimilar characteristics. Since we are told to acknowledge and recognize that Allah Ahad, Qul Huwa Allahu Ahad, that we are going to be in the process of understanding this Huwa. And we are going to be in the process of understanding this Huwa as Allah. And we are going to be in the process of understanding this huwa as the samad. Samad meaning unique. We are going to be in the process of understanding huwa in its similar and dissimilar natures. Because here is a thought for you. And if you're interested in reading this in English, by the way, that book, The Vision of Islam, explains it very well, this whole idea of tashbih and tanzih by the married couple Shitik and Muratha. Both of them are professors uh, at uh, Stony Brook, I think. I'm not sure. But both of them are both professors in the same department, and they, they, they're married, and they, they both are converts, and they both decided to write this book called The Vision of Islam. And they do a wonderful job explaining the whole concept of tashbih and, and, and tanzih. That your whole point in terms of interaction and dynamic with Allah, with huwa, will be to understand the, to the extent that you share with Allah what Allah is. And to the extent that you do not at all. And by understanding the proper place, will you truly attain understanding of yourself? If, if you imagine, we already covered in the Fatiha that we have made the whole point of life is this interactive dynamic with Allah. But here is a further point. And the point is that by understanding 
the natures by which Allah, by which Huwa, is summed, is unique, and the nature or the extent or the 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 the, the, um, the way by which Allah is Allah, for example, Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, or Al Mutaal, or Al Jabbar, or Al Qahir, or Al Wahhab, or Al Razzaq, or Al Fattah, or Al Alim. All of these are names, designations of characteristics. Right? Alim, the all-knowing. Jabbar, the, the, the all-powerful. Al-Qahir, the compeller. Al-Rahman, the, the merciful. By understanding the two issues of Tashbih and Tanzih, you then have a proper view of who you are in a very real sense. You understand to the extent as a, as a created, as a creature. To what extent, why do you have the characteristics that you have? And what are the limitations for these characteristics? Sure. No, that's why you have the قُلْ, say, say, why? Because this is not, if, if, if you, if you were, if it was, if it was something you would do without further, without further specification or detail, then you would understand قُلْ هُوَ هُوَ, okay? But most of us don't. So most of us are going to be in this case of struggle. Remember we talked about the sirat and that a sirat could be bumpy. In this case of struggle to understand that the Allah and to understand a samat. That's why also the command form. In other words, it is not it is not something that is innately in you and just simply to be invoked. But it is something that is going to be worked at for proper for an attainment of the proper balance of your existence, the proper position of your existence, if you will. Yeah. It almost seems like this this particular verse of Surah through the process of understanding God would have to come before Fatha. Because the idea of understanding Torah seems to relate to how I can understand the Adam I would agree if it if it's if um, well I don't know I, actually I, I really don't know because the fatha comes before the specification of the of the of the, of the precise and and uh, precise uh, acts of worship format of worship and also before the precise understanding of belief. The distinction between Iman and Islam, for example. So Al-Fatha seems to be the constitution in its general sense. This could be considered Article 1 of the constitution of the will, if you will, in the sense that you reached, you reached the idea of of huwa huwa 
through the analysis of alam al-ghayb and alam al-shahada. But the whole point is, is that this surah seems to assume that most of us cannot simply be satisfied with qul huwa huwa, but need the designation and the specification of qul huwa Allah ahad. So, it, it, you know, it sort of assumes a moron status in, 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 um, uh, in, in most of us. Okay. Now, 